What's it called? Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. And it's an incredible book. I really strongly recommend you know, that you read this because, uh, because I feel what is, what is coming. But Liz had a word. I want to come back to this. Liz had a word during the worship. And she said that she felt the Lord say to her, if I get this right, that he is the anointed one but we are the appointed ones. Yeah, we've been appointed for a time such as this. Yeah, and uh, yeah, this is a time, I wrestled all last night, I really wrestled with the Lord all last night. I woke up quite feeling quite exhausted yeah, and uh, thinking I really don't want to go out and walk the dog first thing in the morning. I don't want to get out of bed. I just felt like this and I wrestled. And it was all about these days, you know, and what's coming. And really what the Lord impressed on my heart. And so for an hour of walking, I just like shouted out to the Lord, you know, inside myself saying, and the Lord really impressed on me. He said, you will not get through these days unless your eyes are on me. You will not get through these days unless your eyes are on me. And this includes ministries. If your eyes are on a ministry, that ministry will not get you through what is coming. Only Jesus can. Only he is enabling to get us through with what's coming. Now, I had a little, you know, a little bit of stuff happen last night where the Lord showed me what is coming. <clears throat> and I woke up with a little bit of, I was, you know, I was frightened. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, I, I woke up with a little bit of a shock thinking... Oh Lord, people don't know what's coming. People do not know what's coming. You know, and if our eyes are not fixed on you, we will not survive these times. We will not survive them. You know, and, and what Richard said is right. You know, it's our passion for him. It's our passion for Jesus. It's our, when Jesus came to me and he said, I'm about to do something, but keep your eyes focused on me. Couldn't it be more of a truer word? Yeah, and Mark had a long conversation with Mark this week, um, and another conversation with somebody else this week, and you know, and I felt <clears throat> there's a promotion happening, and I don't mean this, you know, on the stage. I, I, there's a promotion coming, you know, and I felt that other people were getting, you know, really advancing, you know, in the kingdom, and I just, I went, oh Lord, you know, am I really doing the right thing? Is this what you really have called me to do? Because if you haven't called me to do this, then then I want out. I don't want to do this. I only want to do what you've called me to do. Yeah, and all these other people, you know, and what the Lord is doing is he's stripping us. So there's nothing left. He's just stripping you. And he's stripping me. Yeah, and he's stripping me that it's not about having a big platform or, or anything like that. You know, and it's a, what I said last week is the Lord said to me, absolutely clear as a bell, like an audible voice, he says, as you pour out, I will pour in. As you go lower, so I'm made higher in your life. And this is what really sort of like said when I said, Lord, what do you want me to speak on today? Yeah, what do you want me to speak on? Because I read in this book about this, this guy who was brought up as a Muslim in a very, very strong Muslim family. Not radical Islam, you know, but strong Muslim beliefs. You know, that, that their, their whole ancestry was about advancing the kingdom of Allah. 
through, through the, through, you know, like the evangelist from Allah's side. And their whole family was like this. And how he was, he became a medical student. But he met a Christian guy that, that gave him the gospel. And it wasn't like, you know, oh, here you go, here's Jesus, accept him. It took this guy five years of friendship where they came together and they opened up the Quran and they opened up the Bible and they compared. Yeah, And you've got to know your Bible. You've really got to know what the Word is saying. You know, it is not good enough when somebody says to you, explain to me the Trinity. It's not good enough, well, it's three cups of water, ice, steam and, and a glass of water. That doesn't wash. It doesn't wash. You know, you've got to be prepared in a season that is coming in to be able to give an answer to some of these questions. I believe we're going to see an influx of, of Muslims come to the Lord. And what this guy did was absolutely incredible when he suddenly compared the character of Muhammad to the character of Jesus. When he compared what the Bible says and what the Quran says. And they are mixed up. The Muslim people are totally mixed up in how they see what the Christians believe in. Totally mixed up. <clears throat> because what, it, what this guy did, and he's, you know, he's, thank the Lord, he's, he's, he's a Christian now. And, but it took him five years to come to that decision to follow Jesus. Because when he suddenly looked at what the Bible said, he suddenly saw the character of God. That God is a loving God. That he cares. And this, this Muslim is saying, he cared about me. He cared about me. And he, said, and he read the Beatitudes, and that's where he started. He started in Matthew. And the first thing came, blessed are the weak in heart. You know, are the poor. And, and, you know, and all these things, and the Beatitudes, and you know all of that. But it was like God, every time he opened up the Bible, that God was speaking to him, that he never got from the Quran. Yeah. And then when he said he went through a time where he had a loving family, absolutely loving family, you know, that uh, they were a praying family, they were a, a religious family, they loved Allah. You know, but when he had to make that decision to say, do you know what, I'm going to have to tell them I'm following Jesus. And he didn't know what was going to happen. He didn't know, and we're not talking about honour killings or anything like that, but that, that, that's a reality. When a Muslim leaves the faith, the Quran says that they should die. That you are legally allowed to, to execute them or to murder them. You know, and, and yet he went to his family and he told his father and his father said these words and he said it's the hardest thing that he's ever heard. His father says, son, you've just ripped out my backbone. And then his mother said, I gave you birth. And today you have broken my heart. And he had to leave his family. And his family just could not understand what he had done. They brought this honor to the family. This honor for leaving the faith. But he said something. He said, you know, what I used to believe in was what I was taught. What I was taught. So what are we teaching our kids? You know, what are we teaching our kids? Because it's not what happens here, it's what happens in the home that really matters. It's what happens in the home 
That Are we setting our kids on fire for Jesus with a passion? Because when this guy gave his heart to Jesus, there was no stopping him. Absolutely no stopping him. He became radical for Jesus. He came on fire for Jesus. He couldn't stop reading the scripture. It was like the words were jumping out of him and hitting him because they were living words. Because Jesus was the word that became flesh. Yeah, and he suddenly realized, oh my word, I've got a God that loves me. I don't have a God that says, if you're good enough. Yeah, because it starts from an unrighteousness. If you're good enough, if you measure up, then this is what I will do. No, we have been made, and this is what the realization, we've, he came to that realization that he's been made righteous by the blood of Jesus. So folks, it is absolute, I think we're at a, I think we're at a, we're at a crossroad. Because now is the time to become alive in Jesus. Now's the time to be seeking after his face like never before. Now's the time to get into a prayer closet and have that communion with him, have that relationship with him. Now's the time to read the word and allow the word to instruct you. Now's the time to say, Holy Spirit, I need you. I need you because it says you are my enabler. Enabler for what? To do the things that you cannot do for yourself. Allow the Holy Spirit to do it. Now's the time to wait on the Lord, to really wait on the Lord and say, Lord, what are you saying? What are you saying? And allow that small voice, like Liz heard, that small voice say, I am the anointed, but you are the appointed. Because we are going to be having to give a message out in the darkest time this world has ever seen. And some of us, you know, this this is going to upset a lot of Christians and how they view Christianity. But we're going to have to fight We're going to have to physically fight in some cases. Yeah, and and that's that's going to upset a lot of people. But it was announced in Lancaster by by Sadhu because he'd had a conversation with Mark (laughs) that morning over a cup of tea. And he says, Mark, what are you doing? What's the Lord showing you? And he says, well, I'm having David come to me and teach me how to sword fight. And he says, why? He says, because we're going to have to fight. I'm raising up people to fight. And and Mark and I have sat down and had many of these conversations around the fire or around a cup of coffee. But we're going to have to fight, both spiritually, fight for what we believe. Because when they come knocking at your door, will you be ready? Will you truly be ready for what is coming? It says in the word that people's men's hearts will grow faint. When you look at the Greek, it says they will die. They will die of heart attacks with fear, with such fear. And I don't want to put fear on you, but I want to say now is the time to focus on Jesus. Focus on him. Keep your focus on him and not your focus on man or woman. You know, this is not time to get your your, your ear tickled or your back scratched. This is time of a real church. Yeah, and, and, and there's a part of me, I say this with, with real fear and trembling. You know, when you've wrestled with the Lord all night, you know, and you come away and you feel quite exhausted by it, but God's in it. You know, he is stripping me of anything that is not of him. Yeah, and I said, Lord, you know, I don't want to die <laughs> today. I said, Lord, I don't want to die. I want to fight for you. And he says, no, I want you to die. 
so you can be good in the battle. And that's dying to self. It's being totally surrendered. Totally surrendered to him. Yeah, and it's not about you anymore. It's about him. And I'm telling you now, if you say that's going to be the quickest answer to anybody's prayers, is say, Lord, strip me of things that aren't of you. That prayer will be answered now. And that means family. That means your children. That means your job. That means absolutely everything. Strip me, Lord, of it. Because Jesus wants the whole of you. Why? Because he gave his whole. He gave his whole. He didn't lay anything back. Yeah, the Muslims believe that Jesus didn't die upon a cross. He never died. That's what they believe. But when you explain to them what he actually went through, the, 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 the flogging that he went through was enough to kill most people. Yeah, they didn't just flog you with a nice little whip and a leather. They flogged you where it stripped your flesh of everything. And there were cases when you look down history. I'm a historian, so I like looking at evidence. So I looked at the whole flogging that the Romans did. And yes, they beat you with, with wooden sticks and they beat your feet. And, but when it came down to the, the flaying, it literally stripped the flesh off your back. And then it started stripping the muscle till your muscle was just a pulp. And you would get some Romans, and there were documented evidence, where they would purposely try and get you around the front. And it disemboweled people. Yeah, and so then they nailed him to a cross. And I believe, you know, that, that Jesus bled seven times. Seven times. And I don't believe that there was one bit of blood left in him. Yeah. And then when you explain about the, the sticking through the, through the side... Yeah, and the blood came out from around the heart, the plasma. Um, you know, that's when your heart... You, you, if you, I do bushcraft, right? And one of the things that we did was, was have to gut and strip a deer that had been shot. And the gamekeeper showed us the heart of the deer, and he said, look at this heart. This was only a few months ago, and he said, look at this heart. He says, when you do a clean kill of a deer, he says... A clean kill doesn't do any adrenaline in, in, in the body. It doesn't produce any adrenaline. But what happens is if, a, if an animal is in pain, then the first thing it tries to do is protect the heart. So a sack of water will go around the heart if it's in pain, you know, dying and pain. And he said, look at this heart, and there wasn't anything around it. So when they pierced Jesus through the side to reach the heart, his heart had that sack around it to protect it because of the extreme pain that he had went through. And he went through that pain. And you know the story. Time and time, you know it. It's not a story, it's a reality. He went through that and he saw your face. And he saw my face. And he went through it so that we don't have to face the wrath of God for our sins, for what we've done wrong. And boy, we've done stuff wrong, haven't we? But you know what? We need the reality of what actually happened, what he went through to get out. Because people need to see the pain that Jesus both physically and emotionally and spiritually went through. 
so that we can be totally and utterly surrendered to him. Mark, Matthew 10, verse 38 says, He that finds his life shall lose it, and he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. And then in in Mark 8, verse 35, it says, For whoever will save his life shall lose it, but whoever shall lose his life for the sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. This is a kingdom principle. This is a principle from the kingdom that you've got to die to yourself so that he can live totally in you, totally surrendered, totally saying, God, you know, without you. And you know what? Then you can, when you are totally surrendered, you can live life abundantly. You can live your life to the fullest that God has for you. Not what man has for you, but what God has for you. You can live supernatural lives that are full of supernatural things because we've got a supernatural God. Because when he said, let it be, that let it be is still going through this universe and into other universes. We can have a life that will live above your expectations. When you are totally surrendered, it will live above what you expect. When your eyes are focused on him and saying, God, you know what? I'm going to live my life as you see me. Do you know what shame was broken off you today? I've never met you, but there was a shame that was just cut off you today. Like I've never seen somebody literally, uh, when the Lord suddenly just, I just saw you walk in and I saw what was over you and the Lord just cut that off you. Why? Because he wants you to live an abundant life in him, where he is everything. And not about what man puts on you, but how God sees you. And that's what you needed to hear today, how God sees you, not how man sees you. Because man will judge, and yes, God will judge. But if he's looking at us through the eyes of his, of his son Jesus, do you know what he sees? Not guilty. Not guilty. Not guilty. He has saved us and called us to that holy calling, not according to our walks, works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before the world began. You see, you've been called with a holy calling. That's your destiny. That's what God has called you with a holy calling. It's your destiny that was written in heaven before you came on this earth. So my prayer is this. Do you know what my prayer this, this morning was? Lord, I want to live with everything that you've created me to be. Whether that's in the ministry or not, it doesn't matter to me. But I want to be abandoned for you. And if that means me sitting in a room, spending time with Jesus every day till he comes, or whether he takes me, then I'm going to be happy with that. Because I want more of him in my life. I want more of Jesus in my life. He is the cornerstone of everything. But Jesus wants you to be totally surrendered to him. You don't need another conference. You don't need another conference. You don't need another prophetic word. What have you done with the last prophetic word that you received? You don't need any of that. You need to look at him. You you need to keep your eyes focused on him and saying, Lord, you know, know, I have not fulfilled 80% of what the Lord has shown me. What the Lord has shown me. I've been prophesied to three or four times and I haven't seen one of those prophetic words come to pass. Not because of any fault, it's potential. 
But I want to look into the eyes of Jesus. And I want to say, Jesus, is this what you're saying? Because prophetic words, too many Christians run to and fro to get a prophetic word from a prophetic person. Far too many. No. A prophetic word should be a confirmation of what you have already should have heard from the Son. They should already be there. But the Lord wants you to live a total surrender to him. And that means it's got to be above your family. It means it's got to be above your husband or your wife or your boyfriend or girlfriend. It's got to be above your your son or your daughter. It's got to be above. He's got to be above everything. As I keep saying, you know, with my life that I've had, I've had to fight, you know, both physically and spiritually, fight for everything I've got because of my early life. But you know what? My past doesn't determine my future. And neither should your past stop you from your future. So you might have lived the most dreadful life, but if you've been washed in his blood, you are cleaner than clean. But you've still got to surrender. I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me, because he loved me, and he gave himself for me. I've got it tattooed on my arm. That might offend some people, but I've got a tattoo which says 220. Because it came to me as a revelation of Galatians 2.20. And also, that's the, as a sports scientist, when I study sports scientists, you know, 2.20 is a maximum heart rate. Because when you stand before the Lord, your heart rate is going 2.20. It's, it's about to burst. You know, that's, you know, I, my first experience with the Lord, that's exactly what I thought was going to die. My heart was going 2.20 beats a minute. And, you know, you're in trouble if you get that. They'll start putting paddles on you. You know, they'll start, CPR. But, you know, in Acts 20, can I just say something? Do you know, I gave up a a long time ago. I've said to the Lord, I'm not having a pity pie. I said to the Lord, I've given up this and I've given up that. I haven't come into this life for a pension that I work my 40 years and I get my pension and, and if I'm good enough, I know I'll just fall into heaven somehow, get into heaven. I gave up um, you know, my advancement in my career. I gave it all up for him. For him. And since 2012, you know, well, back in 2005, really, when the Lord really hit me and Heidi, you know, we were... We were ready to give up everything. We were ready to sell up everything to go out to the middle of Africa and become missionaries. Just, just to go out in the middle of Africa when nobody would know us, we, but we have a heart to see people come to the Lord. We have a heart for people being restored, both physically and emotionally and spiritually, restored and set free. That's our heart. That's where I believe this all started for me. It's just setting people free so they come into a knowledge of who he is. But folks, I've done it with passion. Because I'm passionate for him. But I've got to be totally surrendered for him. And actually say, do you know what? People might spit at you. They might even punch you. I've been punched for the Lord. I've been beaten up for the Lord. They might despise you because they're going to hate you. As this day goes forward... You just have to read it, Matthew 24, 25. They're going to hate you. 
hate you for what you believe in. And especially when we've got to speak up. I want to show you something um, where it says in Luke 9, verse 57 to 62, Luke 9, and it came to pass that as they went in a certain way, a certain man said to the Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said unto him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. And he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, allow me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury the dead. But you go and preach the kingdom, the kingdom of God. And then another also said, Lord, I will follow you. But let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my home, at my house. And Jesus said unto him, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom is fit for the kingdom. And I want to take you through those three examples. Because what's the first man saying? He's saying, I'll follow you wherever I go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but son of man has nowhere to lay his head. What's he saying? Because he could read the man's heart that he put his job first and his security came from his job. His security came from having a nice house. His security came from looking for a pension and a nice car and all the comforts of life. But Jesus was saying, no, you give up all of that, young man, and follow me. And you won't know, I'll guarantee you, you won't know where you're going to put your head tonight on the pillow. But leave all that. Because he knew the man's heart. He was saying, give it all up. And he couldn't. And the second man who came to him, He basically said, there's a problem here. He says, let me first go back to my father and bury him. Well, in the Jewish custom, the first son, the the, the number one son, the firstborn, when his father died, would get double the inheritance. So this guy was saying, I'm the first son. First let me go and bury my father so I can get my double inheritance. Do you follow me? So it was about acquiring an inheritance. It was about acquiring health and earthly security. So there's a real problem here, and the problem was money. The problem was money. And I keep saying, if God hasn't got your wallet, then he hasn't got you. Hasn't got you. I'm astounded at the generosity of my wife. Astounded. You know, my wife is one of the most generous people that you'll ever meet. She thinks, I say, Heidi, please, you know, stop giving all this food away because... You know, we've got to put food on the table tonight. But God's always been really good to us, you know, and uh, you know, God has impressed on me and Heidi to, to give money away because he wants our wallets. And if he hasn't got your wallet, then he hasn't got you. And I know that we're, we're really good in this place. But the third man, what was happening here? If you have a look at what the, the man says, he says, um, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my home and my house. What was this man saying? He was basically saying, do you know what? I'll follow you, but I want to run it through the family first. I want to go and see what my husband says or my wife says. I want to run it through my family and my friends. You know, and they say, you know, are you ready? Can I go and follow this Jesus? You wanted to run it through them. And Jesus says, well, you're not fit for the kingdom. You know, you've just got to go and do what God has called you to do. Simple as. 
whatever God is calling you into. Now, I'm not talking about going on a stage of going out in the streets. You might just want to be interceding for this nation. And that's a good call. When you intercede for this nation, when you plough the ground before the sower goes and then the reaper because of your intercession, that's a good place to be in. That's a great place. Reese Howell, just read his book, The Intercessor. Reese Howell, he, I believe through him and people like him, because it wasn't just him, it wasn't just him, but there were probably praying women and men in, in the UK that stopped the UK getting overrun by the German invasion and Dunkirk. Unbelievable. The German generals in that time in 1939 said, what are we waiting for? Let's bomb the out of them. Let's, let's not allow them to take their troops off the beach. But Hitler gave a three-day. He said no for three. He hesitated for three days. And there were lots of things going on behind the scenes. And you've got to you know, historic, historically look at why Hitler might you know, have done that. But he gave them three days and, and then the mist came down, which gave them five days to lift off 285,000 men off the beaches. Incredible. So what's stopping you? That's my question. What's stopping you loving him with all of your heart? Going after him with everything that you have. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Matthew 6, 33. Seek first God. Hear from the Lord for yourself. Go after him because you're going to need to hear him. You're going to need to be having the following and the leading of the Holy Spirit with what's coming. So I want to show you something else. It says, And after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself would come. Stop there. You see, what's that prophetically saying is wherever you go, you're preparing a way for the Lord to follow. So wherever you go, whatever you do, you're preparing a way for the Lord to come. And this is all we're doing here in Bushfire, is we're just saying, Jesus, we want to love you first, and first, and first again, and we will prepare the ground here for you to come. And whatever you want to do with us, we're okay with that. Because he might turn your life upside down, which would be the right way up. He might say, do you know what? Give up this and do this. Or I want you to completely change what you're doing and do that. It's a massive, massive. And I suppose what what I'm trying to say is that you've got a destiny to fulfill. But you will never fulfill fulfill that destiny until you are totally surrendered to him. Totally surrendered. So let me tell you, I want to speak to maybe two or three people. You know, I want to give you some hope because what you did yesterday, you cannot do tomorrow when you've totally surrendered to the Lord today. Because what you do today will determine what you do tomorrow. And whatever you focus on, you will connect with. That's what Neville says. Whatever you focus on, you will connect with that. So if your focus is on negative things, guess what you're going to connect with? The negative If you focus on something to fulfill this flesh, 
then that's what it's going to be. You're going to be fulfilling this flesh, not fulfilling what he has called you to be. I want to focus on him because when I get to him, I want the Lord Jesus to say these words, words to me. Good and faithful person. Good, well done, Andy. You did everything that I called you to be. You did everything that I called you to do. And I'm well pleased with you. Don't you want to hear that? You know, you, and I, I, I heard somebody say this. You know, you don't want to be striving in your life to make chocolate cake for the Lord and to find out that he doesn't like chocolate. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't want that. He wants you to be fulfilling what he has called you to be and do. Nothing more, nothing less. This life as a Christian is really simple. And the more I get into living the life and the years of following the Lord, the more I realise how simple it is. Die to self. Die to self. You've got to die to self. I used to be, I wanted to live on an island, you know, just, just be me and the Lord. But you can't. You can't do that. You know, you can't be a monk and put yourself in a monastery and close the doors and block out the whole world. That's just not... No, you've got to be a person that will speak the gospel of the kingdom into people's lives. This is what the Muslim came to realise when he first came to Jesus. He came out and he, he gave up his... Med- he, he became a fully qualified medical doctor in the US. And that's big bucks. That's a huge amount of bucks to be a medical doctor in the, U- in the US. It's a huge amount. You, know, you can put you know, six-figure salary on that. It's huge. But he gave it all up because he went to medical college on his last day and he saw a guy coming down the street and it suddenly realised that this guy didn't know Jesus. And who was going to tell him? Who was going to tell him the love that Jesus has and the kindness that he has for you? But this is what I want to impress on you. You know, when your hearts are totally surrendered to him, and I'm going to lock myself away, this next week I'm going to fast I'm going to pray I'm going to go after God with a new vigour in my heart because I want to know him Lord show me your ways so I may know you so it's not about your job you will never get what you can get from Jesus in your job you'll never get it in your family Jesus, I don't get up in the morning and say Heidi say something nice to me because then I'll feel good. You know, I don't get up and you know, I, I just go, Lord, you say something nice to me. But firstly, I want to say something nice about you. I love you. I love you with all my heart, Jesus. And I want to tell you that. I love you with everything that I've got. And I want to be everything you've created me to be. Lord, because I'm driven by you. I'm in love with you. And when you're in love, you want the world to know it, don't you? When you're truly in love, You want the world to know it. So that's what my heart is. I want to be totally and utterly surrendered for him. Because he is totally and utterly surrendered for me. For God so loved you. For God so loved you. I wish that we as Christians could meditate on that word for the next year. It will set you free. For God so loved you that he sent 
his one and only, his best, to die for you. He loves you. And what's our response? It's to love him back. Because of what he's done for us. You can't do anything else. I'm amazed that, that yes, we have bad days. But, you know, I've had a, a whole week of bad days. The last ten days have been pretty heavy. But they're not. Because God's in it. You know, when he lowers that hedge around you, that hedge of his protection... He wants you to overcome things. You know, he wants you to overcome whatever it is. Overcome it. Don't spiritualize it. Just overcome it. You know, we don't need to be sat around, you know, having a little pity party. Oh, shame on me. I'm going through a real bad time. Well, get over it. Get over it. Get over it. Be passionate for him. If somebody said something really bad about you, do you know what? Forgive them. Forgive them. Forgive them. And get on with it. Get on loving him. Because he first forgave you. Don't judge. It says don't judge because I will judge you. I will judge you. This is talking to Christians. There is too much seeker-sensitive stuff going on in church. Instead of absolutely dying to self. What would you do? I mean, I, I know all the stories. I'm reading. There's another, there's another amazing book called Dreams and Visions <coughs> that's been researched to its nth degree. And they will not publish or say a story that hasn't been, you know, it's fact. But there is, I'm telling you, there is revival happening in Iran and in the Middle East like never before like never before. Why? Because they're searching for the truth of who God is. Muslims are looking for the truth of who God is. And it doesn't matter that we have to say, oh, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody can come to the Father except through him because they don't believe he was the Son of God. They believe that Jesus was a prophet. They don't believe that he died upon a cross. And they don't believe in the authenticity of the Bible. But they don't realise that they think the Bible was like the, the, the Koran written by one man. And when they realise that it was written, you know, it was written by more than one man or, and woman, oh, wow, I didn't realise that. But they don't know the Bible that well either. They think there are lots of discrepancies in the Bible. When you have a look at it and you break it down and, you, and you're going, wow, I didn't see that. But you've got to know your Bible. I read, I'm reading the word afresh now so I may know him. Know him. With what is coming, both good and dark, we're going to have to know him. Because, you know, I'm, 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 I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to this time when, you know what? We've got to hear the Holy Spirit where to meet. Because this is where the Iranians are. This is where the Russians were in the, in the time when they couldn't uh, worship Jesus. They had to listen to the Holy Spirit and even know where they were having that meeting that day. Because they would never announce where they were meeting. And uh, so they would have to meet and find from the Holy Spirit where they're meeting. And people would turn up in their 
in their groups. And they'd sellotape all around, get their mobile phones, take the battery out, they'd, they'd put things under blankets, and then they would worship the Lord without a musical instrument. Without any of the glitz and glamour. They wouldn't have the words there, you'd have to know them. And most pastors, or most people didn't have a Bible, but they would learn the word. And God moves upon them. But this is what I want you to do. And this is, you don't have to do this, if the Lord, Holy Spirit doesn't tell you. But this, this um, American um, Muslim, ex-Muslim, because in seeking Allah, he found Jesus. But he asked the Lord to do one thing. He said, give me a vision. Give me a vision. So the Lord gives him a vision that very night. He goes to bed, and in the, he walks into the, the wall disappears in his, in his bedroom, uh, in the hotel room, just disappears, and he sees a field, a beautiful green field, full of crosses. Full of crosses. Vision stops, and he thinks, ooh, that was nice, but that was the devil telling me that Christianity is, is, is the way. That's the devil. So he said, Lord, give me, a, give me a dream. Next night, the Lord gives him a dream. Totally, you know, easy to understand. He actually went to the uh, Muslim dream manual and went to the Muslim dream manual and compared this dream, and it was all about Jesus from the Muslim dream man- manual. And he said, no, that's the devil, that's the devil, that's the devil. So he said, Lord, give me two dreams that do not need any explanation and it's totally you. Next two nights, he has two dreams that needed no interpretation that was all about Jesus. And this is happening amongst the Muslims. Every night. And there is a movement going on amongst the Muslims. There's a movement now going up across the Yazidis. There's a Muslim, there's this Muslim gate turning to the Lord, you know, in Syria, like never before, because they're looking for the truth. They're hungry for the truth. And I believe there's going to be a move amongst the Muslims in this country that will take radical Islam out of here and they will become radical for Jesus. And they will overtake most of the Christian church in a year what most have been trying to find for 20. They'll be set on fire for Jesus and there will be no stopping them. And do you know where they're going to go first? To their Muslim brothers and sisters. And many of them will lose their lives because they now know that Jesus is worth dying for. And they're totally surrendered to him. So, I'm saying to the Lord, Lord, will you give me a dream this week, or a series of dreams, that show me where you want me to be, and what you want me to be doing? Because I do not want to be chasing after something that isn't you. And you know what? The Lord might show me to step out of ministry. I don't know. And you know what? I will do it. I will do it. I'll hand the keys to Richard and Andrew. So there you go. And Heidi, and I'll step out. Because I'm serious. I'm seriously surrendered to him. But there's a lot more to go. There's a lot more stripping. 
You know, when there's no more owls or ouch, you're almost there. Or it doesn't hurt anymore. You're almost there. So whatever it is, ask the Lord, Lord, am I doing what you've called me to do? To be a light in darkness? And am I really, truly hearing from you? Liz, I want to encourage you because you heard from the Lord. I want to really encourage you. That was a word from the Lord. It resonated in my spirit. Really resonated. We are appointed for these times to be light. And light is only needed when it gets dark. Um, I'm saying, please, go after Jesus like you've never, ever gone after him before. And I don't know where you really are with your walk in the Lord. There might be some secret little things that you know, are all put in that drawer, only for, you know, there might be that stuff going on. Jesus knows. And be radical for him. Radical. Because you know what? He met a lovely Christian, this, this ex-Muslim, met a lovely Christian girl. And he gave up his medical to become an evangelist. And he went after Jesus. And he married this lady. And do you know what? None of his family turned up. His family constantly said, we don't want anything to do with you. We love you, but we don't want anything to do with you. He gave up his family because he wanted to follow Jesus. So, Father, let's pray. Father, I pray this week, may this be a pivotal time for us as as Christians. I pray, Lord, will you put us on fire for when we first knew you? Lord, that's how we want to live our lives, passionately, undyingly, unquestioningly for you. And we ask you now, Holy Spirit, come and give us dreams and visions and encounters. Not that we can boast about it, but we can draw closer to you. Because Jesus, that's all we want is to be close to you. And Jesus, we want to die to ourselves and live for you. I feel the Lord is calling many of us to a fast. To fast for this. Do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to fast for my son. I'm going to go on a fast for my son. So my fast can be Jesus. Let him be passionate for you. So I pray, Holy Spirit, give us dreams and visions to position us. To position us to where you would have us be. Redirect, Lord, where we need redirecting. Lord, let us stand firm if that is where you have placed us. But I pray now, Lord, let there be breakthrough in our destinies and what you have for us. And I pray, Lord, let each and every one of us die to ministry. Die to ministry. That we only want to be close to you. And whatever comes out of that, it will be from that. But we thank you, Jesus, that you first loved us. That you have called us with a holy calling not according to our purposes, but according to everything that you have for us.
that Jesus, I pray, may each and every one of us here today, over this next week, know you even better than we've ever known you before. And we pray this in the precious, precious name of Jesus, who is the instigator and the perfecter of our faith. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. God bless you all. I pray that you really go after Jesus this week. Go after him. Don't do what you used to do. Go after him and say, do you know what? He is more than anything that I need. He is everything that I need and more. But bless you. Let's come back different.